Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Really sad news today. Brian Marchment passing away unexpectedly in Montreal. Scout for the San Jose Sharks at the age of 53. Marchment 926 NHL games, including 216 with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I first heard about this tuning into Oilers now with Bob Stoffer after our new news today on 630 Shed. And Bob hops on with me now. And Bob, the, the first word that came to mind was devastating about losing Brian Marchment to, at such a young age. And devastating to me fits this guy because if uh, you were not on Brian Marchment's team, he could devastate you with a body check. And that's why he was uh, a pleasure to have on your team and why opponents hated going up against him. Yeah, I was on the periphery. You know, Morley was doing the color at that time uh, with the club. Um, and, you know, I was sort of getting started behind the scenes a little bit. But uh, specifically the year that John Sexsmith was sort of in the role that Sid Smith eventually took on, sort of that pre- and post-game, uh, I was around. But I had a mutual acquaintance by the name of Red Shaw, who many people know in town, was involved with Michael Anthony Jewelers for a number of years. And he was a pretty good friend of uh, Masha's. And I know that... Uh, uh, you know, I, I sent something to him today, and he obviously it's a, a very hard, you know, hard day for everybody involved. And uh, Brian was a popular guy. Uh, you nailed it. He was an absolute, you know, crusher in terms of how he played the game. Um, he could. He, he, the last time I saw him would have been he's probably three years ago in the Cactus Club uh, downtown, and he was with uh, at that time with Reg, and we had a good conversation. Uh, I, I guess that's the last time I saw sort of saw him in a social situation because I did see him a few times uh, at games, and um, you know he he was a big personality, uh, a gregarious guy who played with a real nasty edge and was a complete and total throwback player, and uh, absolutely. You know, this year, you and me are not at the draft. I would suggest that uh, just a confluence of events and those sort of things has resulted. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going next year no matter what. I don't even know where it is. We're going to end up going. But we have an Elks game tomorrow night, and we looked at this, you know, the schedule of this thing a month out, knowing that the Oilers, you know, we're going to have a late first-round pick. Um but I've talked to several people today in Montreal, and it's it's just it's completely cast a pall on the event. And imagine being in the shoes of Mike Greer, a former mm-hmm. Edmonton Oilers player himself. I think they would have crossed over in the '96 90 season before Brian got traded. And you know you've just taken over the San Jose Sharks, and this has happened to a very popular figure. So. Uh, no question about it. It's it's just it, it's a tough one, and uh, we're gonna have Louis DeBrusque on, who was a very good friend of uh, Brian Marchman's, and I know those guys used to hunt and snowmobile back in the day. We're gonna have him on tomorrow, but uh, tough one for sure. Yeah. 
Do you, do you remember, because he was on that team that upset Dallas, yeah. but remember he crashed into the oh, open yeah. penalty box door, oh, yeah. and it was very scary. He actually, like, I couldn't remember if he returned. He did return for the last game against uh, Colorado, but that I, I, I remember, uh, like, the guys seeing the TV shots on the bench, like, they they were having trouble looking at it because it was so scary while he was being treated on the ice. Larry Isaac was producing that game for Hockey Night in Canada and they had to get off the shot because his eyes were rolling around. And um, uh, I will will tell you that I was doing Foncourton stats for the Dallas Stars during the course lat series and I talked to the Dallas team doctor and he told me when similar type of injuries happened in football, they could not, in high school football, they could not get on the field quick enough to to save the player oh man and, and so brian was uh you know what that that was uh, just a horrific situation and he was lucky to have i mean it was i mean it was as that was about as scary as you'll see on the ice i mean next to maybe the richard zednick thing and the the one with clinton malarchuk where you know you see the blood right away and that, i gotta tell you that's it, it always puts for me Stuff like that puts everything else in perspective, right? Like, okay, so Matthew Kachuk's part of the rival Calgary Flames. At least he is this week. We'll see what happens here in the next couple of weeks. You never know because <laughs> oh apparently there's trade there's trade rumors picking up. On, and I think he's a hell of a player, but you never want to see a guy get hurt, you know? And so, uh, and and again, I, I just, I didn't deal with Brian on a day-to-day basis the way Morley did it. I know Morley was doing the color at that time. Um I think of all, you know, you have a complete, and you know this, you have a completely different relationship when you're around, when you're part of the traveling party, you have a completely different relationship with the players. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I know I sent something off to Louie right away. And, you know, we'll talk to him about it because he was a good friend. And it's just, yeah, 100% with you on that that incident that happened down in uh, down in Dallas. And I, I believe, if I recall correctly, it happened in, game two or game it was five. game two yeah i think that was the one the Oilers got the shutout win to to tie the series yeah. and uh, uh yeah, that was that, Reed, that's that was as hard of you know and again i just remember the doc telling me like he said if that happens in football and he said you can't get on the field quick enough if something like that happens that similar type of injury ends up taking place so it's, it's a hard one to overcome yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Bob. And uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be appropriate to hear what uh, Louis has to say tomorrow on your show. Brian Marchman passing away at the age of 53. Okay. Well, turning your attention uh, to the draft. Well, I'm going to start here, Bob, because I know in the past uh, you have uh, somewhat uh, gleefully participated in my Twitter polls, which I occasionally put out. Did you vote tonight? Have you noticed it yet? Uh, what was the question again? Which of these goalies would you most like to see with the Oilers yes. next season? Sorry, I did, did. I, I did oh, see okay. it. I've been working on something with Al May, who's going to be on our show tomorrow. Oh, but sweet. To, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I would say for me it would be Jack Campbell. Who is who is lead? It's funny. The guy who won the Stanley Cup is last in the, <laughs> the three guys with the with the fan pool. But perhaps I, I ca- a caller called in last half hour and said Kemper, uh, two injury prone Campbell, maybe right in that sweet spot. You know, thirty years old, doesn't have a ton of miles on him. You know, has played in the Canadian market, pretty good save percentage. Huso is interesting to me. Uh, again, have have we seen enough of him? I, and I know he's only twenty seven. Maybe there's the most potential there. Uh, and maybe you get him the cheapest. Uh, but I, for me, I don't know if I've seen quite enough. I and mean, maybe you can make that argument with Campbell because he, he sort of took a while to find his find his footing, you could say. But uh, I would lean towards Campbell as well. 
Yeah, uh, Rita, it's a good question. Uh, I like Kemper. Um, I wouldn't have with, with Huso. I, I think that you know he had a fair amount of success. I think he'd be the greatest risk. You really know what you have. No, mm-hmm. saying that he might have the highest ceiling at this stage because he's younger. Uh, what I like about Campbell is he did have a brutal stretch in Toronto, and I think we've seen that guys can bounce back from the Toronto experience. That's a tough place to play. It's tougher to play in Toronto than it is in Edmonton. Uh, and the thing is, I think that. You know, fortunately for the Oilers, they've had a little bit of playoff success over the last six or seven years. You know, they they went two rounds in 17 and obviously three rounds this past year. And I, and I think Toronto can be, you know, everybody's, you know, Rita's an Oilers broadcaster that works for the organization. I, I want the Oilers to win, okay? I'm not cheering for the story unless the story is Edmonton winning and having success. <laughs> and I think that when, when you're in a market like Toronto where everybody's competing against one another, they're they're cheering they're cheering for the story and sometimes the story is not to see the organization be successful uh even though success breeds way more i mean we saw it this summer you know what the numbers were uh with your show and with the game broadcast during the course of the Oilers playoff runs and how mammoth it i mean we had 1.6 million downloads of Oilers now in the month of may it's not because i'm the greatest host in the world it's in large part because the amount well, you're of, up there though i i'm probably one of, how many hosts do we got at chad like eight or nine i'm probably one of the eight one of the best <laughs> we're both top ten let's leave it at that yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're both in there at Jed. so uh you know we're certainly amongst the top nine or ten at Jed. so you know the more interest where where i'm going with this is if you know what i think campbell has the most experience dealing with being in a canadian market and he's had enough of a a negative experience that it can actually turn out to be a positive from experience perspective. And I think he's a pretty good goaltender. So I would tend to lead to Jack Campbell and Reed, just as you know, the story, you know, how Edmonton ended up getting Cody CC who himself didn't have the greatest goal with the Leafs. Cody CC was represented by CAA. That was the same company that represented both Clefbaum and Larson. They knew exactly what was going on with those two players. They knew Larson wasn't going to sign in Edmonton that he was going to sign in Seattle and they placed Cody CC here. And now we have almost the, identical situation where Kurt Overhart, who uh, I did talk to at the deadline when Edmonton was in Denver, uh, Kurt Overhart with KO Sports uh, is based in Denver. He's He represents Jack Campbell and he had Mike Smith. And so he knows exactly what's going on with Mike Smith. And boy, did Ken Holland ever give us a, a pretty clear indication of the direction of Mike Smith's future. Yeah. And so well, I, those guys are tied together. There's no question. Yeah. Yeah. If people miss that clip earlier uh holland said uh smitty's pretty banged up so that's still sort of the focus of that conversation about a month after the season ended and you and i both heard smith talk after the game and then the following afternoon and his focus was his focus was not i can't wait till next year i still got one more year in me it was a lot of man oh man this was hard bob i I gotta say i'm glad you brought that up with campbell about what he went through in toronto dealing with a tough spell, maybe some negativity, maybe some criticism. And I I know like if you're a sports fan, you like stats. And now with the rise of analytics, there's even more stats than you can ever even probably access and analyze in a day. If you just want to sit and look at your computer or or whatever, 
but the life experience of the individual, right? And that's something, I mean, you and I are lucky we get to exposed to it to some extent when we get to interview people and tell stories and things like that. But the, the GMs and the scouts and the conversations with the players and the agents, they're even more involved than that. And I think you got to keep that in mind where sometimes you might think, well, why would they sign this guy? And then, Well, maybe there's something about the conversation. Maybe there's something about the personality that separated this guy. So I'm, I totally love that you said that about Campbell. He's played in Canada and, and maybe, you know, he can ride the roller coaster a little more evenly than some other guys might. Well, I believe that in every walk of life. Like, I, I know it didn't happen overnight for you to get an opportunity. It didn't happen overnight for me. And somewhere, so, you know, sometimes along the ways, you, you got some tough moments during your journey, and it makes you want it more. And sometimes when it happens, and the guy that told me about this was Wes Montgomery. Like, Wes told me, he said, you know, you have the passion for sports, and you have a big voice, and you're going to get an opportunity because you're going to be relentless in doing it because it means more to you. And I, I especially when it comes to goaltenders, I, I, th- I mean, we all know goalies probably don't reach, you know, their optimal play until 28 to 32 years of age, right? So yep. I'm thinking that Campbell has a distinct possibility to be a pretty good – and just in terms of the career trajectory of a guy like Stuart Skinner, it might be the perfect combination if indeed it ultimately comes to fruition. And uh, you and I have been, uh, what have we done, nine seasons together, and I did a couple of years on your show before that. We've talked for about 11 minutes here, Bob. We haven't even mentioned who the Oilers might take at 29th, which is, I got I will take this, a table closer to the back, uh, a lot more wide open about who we did a lot of years, top, top pick, top 10, and maybe you had a better sense of who they were going to get. Different. I, I know Cosentino was on my show last night. He threw out Matias Havlid. Uh, we'll see. I don't know if you even want to go down this road, Bob, because it's so wide open. Is there a name or two you'd want to circle for fans who are going to be paying attention tomorrow night? If he's still there, Reed Schaefer. I, to me, well, yeah, he, but I don't know if he's going to be there. I well, I, that's the type of guy Calgary takes. That's the problem. They're a team that really values competitiveness and players, and they got a couple picks just before Edmonton. But I'm a big Reed Schaefer guy, so for me, yeah. that's the guy. Uh, now, you talked about the 2012 draft earlier today. I, Reed? I did. I did. I, I ran through the uh, the names and a little bit of where are they. I couldn't find where Mitch Moraz is now, and I texted a couple guys who knew him at the time. They they didn't know, but yeah, I did go over well, that. Well, it's just a. Uh, oh. When I write my book, all the stuff I knew that I couldn't say, that Uh-oh. that year is is that that draft because, just you know, uh, it was going to require it was going to require. Think about this: the Columbus Blue Jackets had an opportunity to trade, uh, to acquire every pick from the New York Islanders if they flipped two spots if they dropped from two to four in that draft year, because the Islanders wanted to get uh, Murray as a defenseman, and. Uh, they ended up taking Griffin Reinhardt. And I remember having the conversation. And guess who ended up drafting Columbus's picks that year in the draft was Tyler Wright. He'd just taken over as head uh, amateur scout. And the guy he got in the fourth round was Josh Anderson. Uh, the best player in that, for me, the be- Vasilevsky's turned out to be the best player from the 2012 draft. He went 19th to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting with Guy Boucher and in the bar in Pittsburgh on the Saturday and late afternoon, because we ended up flying out of there and flying back. Uh, I remember Min Dollywall on my side. I ended up breaking up an incident on the plane <laughs> between. It. What? I don't know about this. Oh, well, yeah. This, well, you're opening a whole other storybook here. Yeah, there was. Uh, we have time for this. There was an African. There was an African American lady, and she had gotten upset with somebody else on the plane. 
and uh, I basically offered to switch seats, and 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 I had I was in a I was in an emergency exit, and I switched seats because somebody was bumping her from behind, and offered to send the I remember the the airline uh, stewardess just was she couldn't believe I'd do that because I was giving up a better spot, and me and men ended up sitting next to one another, and I was just like, look, just 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 hey, it's it's a flight from Minnesota back to Edmonton, everybody needs to relax. So she bought me a Bailey's, which made me really happy. Well, that's kind of it. Oh yeah, but I, she goes like she goes like, she goes you must be Canadian because there's no way an American would step in and do something <laughs> like that. Uh, no, you know, we all know the, the the truth is and you were working on Oilers now that and I read I don't want to take over the whole show but you were working on Oilers now. Who did who did Craig Button all day say the Edmonton Oilers should be taken? Uh, oh, I think he was saying Yakupov. All day. Yeah, I think a lot of people were saying Yakupov, to be fair. It, all day it was Neil Yakupov. And so any of this revisionist history that all they, you know, they blew. Neil Yakupov was the consensus number one pick as a forward, and nobody could decide who the best defenseman is. And uh, and so we all know what happened, and it didn't ultimately work out for the Edmonton Oilers. And, and and then they traded for Reinhardt. And I got to tell you, Reed, I'd heard a lot of things about Griffin Reinhardt at that time from people in the Oil Kings and Oilers organization, and it, some of it turned out not to be true. And that's when I started with Western Hockey League players to talk to the managers and coaches of other teams of players that were being drafted out of the WHL. And I can tell you in the case, I'm going to circle back to the, the 29th overall pick. The order should run up if Reed Schaefer's there at 29 because yeah. he is a guy, he's such a throwback player. We talked about Brian Marchman. This guy's, a, this guy's a, he's like Josh Anderson. That's who he's like. Not a lot of kids like that left anymore in hockey. Yeah, I, I loved uh, getting to see him play in person in the uh, WHL final and watching the games. And he is from Spruce Grove, so a local angle regardless of where he goes. Does he think Savoy's going to go in the top 10? No. Just outside, because I think Cosentino has him 11 to San Jose, probably just outside. I think he goes out. I think they're going to shy away from players like that out of major junior or uh, in the three junior leagues, because I think they feel, I, I have a feeling that, and you know what, I, I think Savoy's pretty good. I mean, all day, Connor Bedard's going number one, but those smaller, skilled guys that, I, I think he goes outside the top 10. Okay, fair enough. Bob, this was a blast. Haven't seen you in a while. I don't know when we're actually going to see each other next, but uh, I'll be uh, checking out your show, obviously, next couple of days, and I guess we're following the uh, one eye on the Elks and one eye on the draft tomorrow night. It's going to be fun. Thanks, right. buddy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Super Reed, you take care. Bob Stoffer orders now every day noon to two here on six thirty. Chet, back in a couple of minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, good to have uh, Bob Stoffer on the show. Uh, yeah, if Reed Schaefer is available. I would uh, love for the Oilers to snap him up at number 29. Not sure that's going to happen. Uh, Schaefer 
this past season for the Seattle Thunderbirds, 58 points in 66 games in the regular season. In the postseason, 21 points in 25 games, 6'3", 213 pounds from Spruce Grove, played with the uh, Saints in the Alberta Junior Hockey League before he went on to Seattle, but uh, likely gone before the Oilers will make that selection. Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino was on Inside Sports last night. He's uh, all over the draft and the prospects, and he had some thoughts on who the Oilers might get 29th. Matthias Havlet is the son of Nick. He's part of uh, twin brothers. His brother Hugo is a goalie. He'll probably end up going in the third round and maybe a little higher than some expected. The son of Nick Havlet, the former NHLer, and a, a guy who had a great under-18s. And that recency bias, I think, has pushed him back up into the first round when maybe earlier in the year he wasn't quite there, but now I believe he finds himself there. And he's a little bit of a different guy uh, compared to what you're seeing, you know, the Samarukovs, the Brobergs. If you believe... Uh, if you truly believe that Broberg is that is that point-producing defenseman like we saw towards the end of his junior career, then maybe this is not an area in which the Edmonton Oilers want to address. I think that this player is a little bit different than that, and I think he's unique to what the Oilers have in the rest of their system, and that's why I think he applies um, to that particular spot having said that i think alexander paravalov is a is a russian player who knows what happens with them but if there's anyone who can who can sort of make that work you'd have to think it would be ken holland and i think philip meshar is another guy who's a really skilled player an excellent playmaker thinks the game extremely well is fast um uh, and end up may, might be a guy who ends up going higher but i think those are three possibilities in that spot for uh, for the oilers but i think havlet is just something a little bit different than what they have in their system and picking that low i think you can um you know edge your bias towards a, a positional player as opposed to the best player available all right, so uh, Matthias Havlid, the pick there for Sam Cosentino at number 29 for the Edmonton Oilers, first round of the draft tomorrow night. The NHL regular season schedule announced today. Just some key dates for the Oilers here. If you missed it earlier, first game of the season will be at home Wednesday, October 12th against the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think that's four years in a row. The Oilers' home opener is against Vancouver. Calgary, the only visit from the Flames is Saturday, October 15th. I mentioned this earlier. There are uh, two teams in your division that you play only three times instead of four. For Edmonton this year, those teams are Calgary and Vancouver. Wish they would uh, do away with that. Uh, Pittsburgh is here October 24th. Toronto, March 1st. Montreal, December 3rd. Washington on uh, December 5th. Just some notes there for the Oilers' schedule and, of course, all the games right here on 630. Chet, we got the Elks games for you as well, and they're going to try to make it two wins in a row tomorrow as they take on the Calgary Stampede Peters for the second time this season. They just played a couple of weeks ago, and the Elks were right in that game, but Bo Levi and the Stamps able to pull out a 30-23 victory. Can the Elks turn it around tomorrow, and how will Trey Ford perform with another week of practice under his belt as the Elks' number one quarterback? Dave Campbell will enlighten you, and he'll also tell you about Danny Machocha taking over in Montreal. Coming up next on Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.